0: Alright guys, this is another episode of Gravely Unusual Lives, and today I have another guest with us. We have Evan Dean Shelton from the Lurking Transmission Podcast, as well as Ritual Light and Sound Podcast. Um, he's here to bullshit and talk about unusual things with us. So, uh, <laughs> Evan, how you doing tonight, man? Good, man. How are you, Evan? I- I'm pretty good, man. Um, yeah, so, uh... How do you feel about all this uh, crazy shit going on in the world right now? <laughs>
1: um. Well, you probably have a similar perspective on it than me, man. Being from you're like rural Kentucky, yeah, right? yeah, you're... Eastern
0: Kentucky, man. I mean, it's
1: okay. I don't even know so how many people sticks, are in the right? town. Yeah,
0: total sticks, totally.
1: Okay. Um. Yeah, so I'm in the sticks too, here in South Georgia, and I, uh, there's just not the we're not getting the panic and the empty shelves that i see on the internet so um you know uh everything's cool and calm and collected here so far so, i don't know um so i'm not experiencing the like daily panic that some people are but you know when you own twitter it gets a little sketchy um yeah yeah that's the thing that's kind of around. Uh,
0: freaking me out is just reading stuff online but as well as like <laughs> Living in a small town, man, I mean, it's kind of the same old shit, honestly, except yeah. the, the shelves are empty at the store, and we have to kind oh, of really? scramble okay. Yeah, the shelves are totally empty here, but other than that, man, I mean, we shit. stay in usually anyway, so <laughs> nothing much different.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not too hard for, for me to stay in. Um, you know, I've probably watched more movies in the past week than I have you know (laughs) in the past year of my life or something i don't normally make time to plonk down on the couch i'm kind of a busy dude but uh this gives us a nice chance to just chill for a while right
0: yeah yeah i mean that's totally what (laughs) i've been doing um like i've read like (laughs) i've read like four books in the just the last two weeks just sitting around and that's like between audiobooks and novels just goofing off just sitting on the couch you know what i mean watching movies too so uh, right on what
1: you've been reading man
0: uh i've been reading um blood meridian by cormac mccarthy oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah it's i'm almost done with that. i got like 50 pages left it's really good um i just finished the invisible man um oh cool yeah, yeah and uh i'm starting on the um rod serling biography by his daughter so it's pretty
1: cool too oh nice i'd like to read them I'm a, I'm a big fan.
0: Yeah, 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 me too. Um, that's kinda like what started it all really. Um, but as far as uh so how did how did you how did you know, the Lurking Transmission, if you guys aren't familiar, it's a really cool podcast. Um you guys do stories and you guys do black metal mix along with it. It's kind of like a format of old radio shows like um you know, uh the old CBS radio shows back in the thirties and stuff, kind of that Format mixed with, you know, the music and stuff. Uh, How did you come up with that concept?
1: Uh, because I wanted very much to hear exactly what you just described, and nobody else was doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of old school radio dramas. Um. You know, I I love Orson Welles' War of the Worlds, uh, The Shadow. Uh, Jimmy Stewart's old radio show and Cary Grant's old show. I love that kind of stuff. And um, podcasting is, it it started as a thing of necessity for me. I, back in 2014, found myself going through a divorce. And uh, at the time, I was living in Sydney, Australia, right? And I was working in uh, Australian TV and making decent headway toward being the filmmaker that I wanted to be. And then found myself, uh, not a part of that life anymore (laughs) and back here in South Georgia and stuck as far away from the industry, so to speak, as possible. And so I was like, what can I do alone with no real gear to tell stories? And I I poked around and got into a few podcasts. You know, there's a couple of good horror podcasts out there, in my opinion, um, but by and large, what people listening are listening to is that creepy pasta, no sleep shit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm not a fan.
0: Yeah, same. That, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, it's all. It sounds like 16 year olds banging out their first horror story, and that's cool if you're a 16 year old kid. But I'm a grown ass man, so I want to read like some competent, well put together horror fiction. And uh, in podcasting, there's like I'm not finding a whole lot of it, you know. Pseudopod kicks ass. Yeah, pseudopod Nightlight rules. Is
0: good. I like Nightmare Magazine. Uh, does really good stuff too. Um, oh, I haven't checked them out. Yeah, they're really cool. Um, that like like but like you were saying, I'm not trying to interrupt. Um, you were talking about. Oh the, no problem. I, I you said something about a lot of this is creepy positive stuff, and you also mentioned I remember posting something on Twitter recently about how a lot of these horror podcasts aren't really horror podcasts. They're really horror movie podcast they're really just talking about movies right. yes. Um, yes. you know you yeah, actually I found
1: that when digging around for stuff yeah
0: you, know? you are probably one of the only one of the few that are actually doing stories and content and you know mixing you know a dark music along with it so that's not a mm. you know it's not a, the typical thing that people are doing and that's why it kind of draw me to that it's fucking awesome because you guys adapt some really great stories and like you said pseudopod is that's one of my favorites so that's super cool man
1: yeah pseudopod's awesome man um i've got alistair stewart the host of pseudopod he's recording a lovecraft story for me right now uh, that's
0: awesome what what story are you are you able to release that Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's going to be The Temple. Do you know The Temple? No, I have not read The Temple, actually.
1: That is the one where the German guy is trapped in a submarine that's, like, malfunctioning and just sort of heading towards the bottom of the ocean. And he gets down there, and there's this jacked-up fucking pyramid on the bottom of the ocean with this golden light coming out of it. And it's terrifying. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) One of the scariest Lovecraft stories to me. And Alistair speaks German uh, and grew up. I guess I like German grandparents or something. So I'm sure he's going to kill it with the accent. That that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it comes from you know being into the radio show stuff and being a big horror fiction fan, and being a big black metal and uh, like dark ambient ritual noise stuff. Um, and I just wanted to kind of put creep show. Creep Show meets black metal and ritual noise meets radio dramas. Um and uh I think I did it, man. I'm like pretty happy with the lurking transmission. Um You know, you you as a writer, as a creator of any type, I think you everybody swings for the fence um with every project. And sometimes you feel like you clear the fence and sometimes you don't, and with the lurking transmission for me, it's become everything I wanted it to be and the people who find it are the people that i want to meet you know i i think the lurking
0: transmission man i think it's a very cool concept um do you do you think that uh do you think that people are receiving you know the the podcast well uh, as in terms of you know kind of adhering to a different kind of horror podcast than what people are typically you know listening to that is really popular
1: I, uh, yeah, for the most part, man, I, um, you know, I get metrics off of the various streaming channels and stuff that I check. Um, not as closely as some people do, but what I see often, uh, <laughs> I, I would say easily 40% of lurking transmissions listeners come in for an episode or two and then don't come back. Uh, I, I get a, I turn off a lot of people, <laughs> which is what I expect. It's a very it's meant to be a very confronting thing. Like the lurking transmission is not supposed to be fun horror. It's it's supposed to be kick you in the nuts horror. You know, right. Um Which is why I pair it with kick you in the nuts savage fucking scary music. And uh, it's not for the Conjuring fan. You know? Um, yeah 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 <laughs> yeah. Not, it's not for your average horror goer. It's for goddamn black metal horror people.
0: Which is interesting that you use, um, you know, black metal as an element mixed with horror because it's, it's strange um, in a sense that, you know, I, a lot of people, you know, don't ever, you know, people that aren't familiar with black metal, they don't really associate it with horror, but it is very much horror kind of there's a very strong horror element to it. Um, I'm actually reading a book by, I don't know if you've ever heard of Eugene Thacker.
1: Hell yeah. I know the book you're about to say, dude, I'm reading that book right now.
0: What in the dust of the planet?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yes.
0: (laughs) There's that chapter about black metal and he goes through three different, um, three different, you know, uh, he, the color black in reference to, what it means to horror and he talks about, you know, Satanism, paganism, and then the cosmic pessimism Um right. and how all those elements kind of pair together. And I think that's, that's every time I, you know, think about the, the lurking transmission, I think about how those elements work so well together and, you know, uh, that's just, it's just a great pair to put together. And, you know, not a lot of people, not a lot of people are not just, you know, a lot of horror fans don't even listen to black metal, but to me they go, right. They go very hand in hand, you know. That it's kind of like they bounce off of each other.
1: Yeah, hell yeah. Um, I I think in black metal there are, you know, and I have friends who would be disgusted to hear me say this, but I <laughs> I think there's there's two kinds of black metal, right? There's uh like occult or theistic black metal. There's black metal that involves occultism and the, the satanism and the magic and shit. Um, And then there's just black metal in sound and aesthetic and in feel. And so you get bands like, uh, you know, Acherontis and Nightbringer are full on fucking occult black metal bands, um, you know, with real heavy beliefs behind what they're doing. And then you get guys like Karak Ongren, you know, which are just a straight, they're like the Alice Cooper of black metal. Yeah, yeah, right. And I think that it's totally fine either way. I think the the music suits either either or. Um, and for me, like I said, I want the lurking transmission to be a confronting thing that's not always necessarily easy to listen to. And so I try and find artists um, that are that are not approaching approaching things from a fiction point of view. Like I, I wouldn't run Karak Ongren in. The Lurking Transmission, I want Nightbringer. Right, <laughs> right, know? right, of course. Because I want to make people uncomfortable. And uh, when there's heavy ideas behind stuff, that, that translates. You don't really have to know that the dudes in Nightbringer are into some scary shit and spend their weekends doing shit that would terrify you, probably. Um, but it, you don't have to know that to get a feeling when you listen to their music. Right, right. Oh, well, um, I, I totally I just, agree with
0: that. I totally agree with that. You know, there's like you said, there's bands that do it for, you know, the fun and the aesthetic, and then there's some that actually truly,
1: you know, live it really. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, there's different angles to live in it, right? I mean, there's some uh like are you familiar with the band Shining? Oh yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. I know the Yeah. Well and, and by shining I mean the shitty shining, which is the one with uh Nicholas what's his name there's another band called shining from norway that does like black metal meets jazz and they are fucking awesome
0: i know i'm thinking of shining the guy that's like right yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. shining that (laughs) very controversial suicidal depression depression black metal yeah
1: indeed yeah and so that guy's like he's living a life of misanthropy you know what i mean he's like sort of the. Gigi allen of black metal He's, that's like every time i accounts, think you said gg allen dude. i
0: always think about Gigi allen when i think of shining because it's just like dude we get it dude i know mm-hmm. i know why you're doing this but it it yeah. works you know and i'm not hmm. even the biggest fan of them but you know i i see i see the appeal well you know you're talking about like right. the the kind of attitude between between living it um there's the i don't even know if i can say i'm so awful with saying some black metal band names and uh, <laughs> Se- senior volt senior volon you know them they're from uh yes france yeah i guess the singer like he was in jail for a while because he like defiled a grave and did fucked up shit with the dead bodies and he was in jail forever and then that's how the guy the guitarist started another band you know and you know sometimes you don't even <laughs> want to talk about some of these fucking bands because you're like dude, yeah. don't even want to mention my name involved with these motherfuckers
1: exactly yeah you know, people are so testy about stuff nowadays man
0: yeah, they really are dude you don't I I'm telling you man I don't even some shirts I'm like I don't want to wear that I'm not wearing that out anywhere you know what I mean
1: oh hell yeah yeah it, it really depends on where you're at nowadays like uh I feel like um I I don't know about for sure about where you're from but certainly here in South Georgia I can rock any old piece of merch and or patch and nobody's gonna give me an eye but uh, you go somewhere, you know, that's particularly, uh, like, Antifa-heavy, like Baltimore, um, yeah. and, you know, you don't even want to go to the mall in Baltimore with a fucking Berzim shirt on. Which,
0: I, I, won't, oh. I won't wear my Berzim shirt when I go, like, uh, when we go to, uh, like, anywhere out of town to see a band or something. Like, we went to um, see Mayhem a few years back with Inquisition, and I was like, I'm not even... I'm not even wearing a fucking shirt, dude. I don't know what these motherfuckers are gonna do. You know what I mean? So Exactly.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's another band that's bit the dust, this Inquisition. I know,
0: dude. What <laughs> the fuck, dude? And you know what? Like, it like came out of nowhere, and I'm like,
1: fuck. Like, dude. And I just like six months before that just got into them hard. Dude. I was like, and, I love these guys, man. And yeah.
0: And they kill it live, dude. I saw them in two thousand. I think it was two thousand six. 15 maybe in fucking cincinnati and i i never even I, was, I wasn't too familiar with them and my friend was like dude let's go see this band inquisition i was like okay whatever i listened to a couple songs and they had just come out with uh astral Pass to the supreme majesties and yeah. literally i was like blown a fucking way like oh, and yeah. <laughs> then you know you go see him again holy shit they're killing it holy shit what the fuck is wrong with this guy dude
1: <laughs> yeah oh yeah and I feel like a hypocrite for for having, for the most part, bailed on Inquisition. I don't really put their stuff on anymore. Um, and I feel like a hypocrite because I listen to plenty of other shit made by dudes that get up to reprehensible bullshit. But... Um, that was for me it was like i just became a fan and then you find out something really deplorable like that shit and i'm like all right i can i could probably do without those guys
0: no that's what i said too i was like (laughs) i'm not doing this anymore i'm like get rid of anything that i have of inquisition i'm like i don't care it's over yeah that's the thing though that's the thing you like the the kind of the coin you flip with black metal dude you find out about these guys and you're like fuck can i even still listen to them you know what i mean
1: Right, yeah, it just depends, you know. Um, yeah, I have certainly listened to some, a handful of bands that some of my friends find just god-awful, you know, and will give me shit if they catch me listening to it, but I just don't care. Um Dude, you know, when, I don't, when you I'm, like
0: something, you like something, you know. It's it's really hard to say, oh, man, I don't really dig that fucking song. I'm never going to play it again, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, and really, like, uh, some of the most problematic, you know, to use a. a a term tossed around a lot nowadays. Some of the most problematic stuff I listen to is I, I've never met these guys personally. Actually one band I have met uh, personally and I I know that they're not bad guys. Um, But you can have, um, you know, so black metal is uh, meant to be scary, horrible music meant for nobody. Right. Um, And so, how do you be as scary as fucking possible? Well, then you talk all that crazy fucking Nazi genocide shit, right? And you put it all in your artwork and you wear that shit on stage and stuff. And in the nineties, even in the early and mid two thousands, people just took that as well, fuck their aesthetic is complete. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Yeah. They didn't come out here in t-shirts telling me horror stories. They fucking represent it from toe to teeth. And when you see them, you go home questioning, you're like, fuck, man, is that, is that like a real, is that propaganda that I fucking saw, you know, but that to me is part of a complete aesthetic. That's like a dedication to how gross and horrific this music is supposed to be. And so when I see people doing that, I don't immediately assume you are some kind of fucking goose step and Nazi in your personal life. I assume that that shit is meant to be shocking um, until I found out otherwise, you know, and sometimes you do find out otherwise, but uh, you know, there, there's some stuff I listened to that. Like I said, I've met the guys and I know that for them, it's just a shock aesthetic, um, but they'd never give it up. Uh, they don't do interviews and they never would. And they would never apologize or explain what they do because that would ruin the thing
0: you know (laughs) right right i totally agree i totally agree you know um it's you know and you always see you'll see that interview with the band that you think is you're like fuck man i that i can't believe that band is like that then you read an interview and like oh we're totally apolitical or no we never said that and that's the whole that's the whole (laughs) mystery about it like it's not about that that's the thing art is separated from from who that person is as an individual. And I'm I'm a firm believer of that. Of course there are right. You know, there are there are situations that are exceptions, of course, we can all say that. But for the most part, art is separate from the individual and that's just that's just how I feel about it. Like, you know what I mean?
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody ever comes to me about any of the terrible shit i put in my stories right and and i assume that i'm living that or assumes that i'm preaching that as an ideology you know it's horror dude this is meant to be no one
0: is talking shit you know r.i.p to jack ketchum but no one's like saying hey man dude like you're Mm -hmm. an awful person because of the stuff you write you know
1: what i mean absolutely yeah and it's the same so like uh fucking chris barnes with 6 feet under and yeah. uh the cannibal corpse crew you know um nasty og death metal which is all just like the dude, grossest horror cannibal stories Cannibal Corpse you has a song hear. called
0: fucked with a knife and literally exactly. talks about slitting his says this is a lyric dude and i quote this all the time <laughs> that my biggest thrill in life was when i slit my own cock with a knife like that's a lyric man you know what i mean yes. he's never yeah. done that you know what i mean so. no
1: <laughs> fuck no no, and he's not suggesting that anybody else do it. Um, and, and nobody balks at Cannibal Corpse because they come out in camo shorts and T-shirts, right? <laughs> right, and no neck. You know what I mean? And they they, <laughs> they joke around in between songs and they'll fucking light a blunt with you or whatever and yuck it up. But when guys come out in that fucking corpse paint and in the leather and the spikes and don't tell fucking jokes... And look scary and spit blood all over the place. Then people are like, "Oh shit!"
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then it's a different story. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. And now you know that's why black metal is for me, man. That's what I want to see. I want to stand in front of dudes that I feel like could and might murder me. Right. Exactly. That's
0: what. <laughs> that's the whole fun behind it.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but you know, it's not for everybody.
0: No, it it really isn't. You know what I mean? And like I said, I have a bunch of friends that that listen to it or listen to me listen to it, and then they say, dude, how do you listen to this? It sounds like a bunch of bats, or, you know, it sounds...
1: (laughs) That's a great...
0: That's my favorite one. Yeah, my friend Kyle's like, it sounds like bats, dude. And I'm like, I guess it is. It's like vampire (laughs) shit, whatever.
1: (laughs) But Uh, I like to describe my friends who are into, like, grindcore and techie death stuff is, uh, it sounds like a whole bunch of wasps attacking a ride (laughs) somewhere.
0: Dude, that's funny, man. Um, so we're talking about all this, you know, separation of the artist and, you know, the the music and stuff. Are you still there? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about the music, you know, separated from the individual or the art separated from the individual, and everyone's always ready to. Call out this stuff. You actually wrote an article recently for Rebeller. Um, uh, yeah. And it was really awesome, man. It was pretty much. I was like, dude, that's that's it. That's right on the nose. Can you uh, can you give us a little background on maybe the article and talk about like what kind of you know gave you that spark to write about all that stuff?
1: Oh yeah, um, really. So you know, for those who don't know, uh, Rebeller is. A publication dedicated to what they call outlaw cinema. So they're um, just trying to cover outside of Hollywood, badass, bloody knuckle, gritty, fucking movies uh, from action to horror and, and everything in between. And um, they're dedicated to like not being PC, <laughs> you know. And uh, so I knew I, I, I should pitch them something kind of edgy. And um, I mean, we know how it is, but you and I roll in like the horror film Twitter circles, right? Right. Um, So you see how it is. There's like sort of, for me, the, the line on Twitter for me is, uh, like mutant fam and the sort of mutant fam type people who we're just real horror fans and we don't balk at what's in the movie or how it's made or who's in it or what fucking country it's from. You know, we just like horror and we want to find real scary shit and then you got sort of mainstream horror right and these are the kind of people who are offended by Joe Bob Briggs right uh, counting the titties <laughs> in movies and stuff like that and um, you know and, and none of these fucking namby pamby assholes ever say anything about Darcy You know, it's like Darcy's right there with Joe Bob, dude, the whole time. Um, Actually, she's got like some much edgier opinions than than Joe Bob does. Nobody gives her any shit because they don't have the balls. But like, we see how it is on, you know, film, the film chat community on Twitter. And you get these lines that people draw in movies, man, where people are like. Don't want to enjoy a movie because of fictional shit that happens in it. <laughs> you know, people want to judge <clears throat> every piece of content within a, a fictional story as propaganda that's being pushed towards you. And if it doesn't align with the propaganda that you want to see, well then you're mad about it and you've got terrible things to say. And then we, we see it goes the other way too. There are those weird neckbeard dudes who, <laughs> um when they feel like they're being preached at too hard, they rebel and they, God damn it, this movie is trying to say something and fuck that. I don't want to watch nothing that's got anything to say. Fuck you. And I'm, <laughs> okay, cool, man. And I think both sides are fairly fucking ridiculous. Um, but in particular, so that the article kind of centers around the movie Bliss, Joe Bagos' Bliss. And if uh, you seen you seen Bliss, right? yeah, yeah, I
0: fucking loved Bliss. I thought it was awesome. <laughs>
1: cool. Yes, yeah, same, same here, man. I loved it, loved it. Um, and but even amongst like my friends who are not, you know, marshmallow film Twitter types, these are you know people who dig real horror movies. A lot of my friends like couldn't get into Bliss because they thought Desi, the main character chick, was a little fucking gross and immoral and scuzzy and they're like man i really want to watch a movie about this chick yeah yeah and i was like hold up now do you know what you sound like <laughs> you know yeah why are you why does that have to come into it man like are you telling me and immediately i think of from Dust till dawn right from Dust till dawn is one of my favorite films ever and I would watch a million movies about the Gecko brothers. Right, the Gecko are they Brothers. <laughs> decent guys. No, they're fucking scumbags. Yes. Absolute fucking scumbags. But it's a movie. And I'm not inviting those people over to hang out, you know? Um, and so I just don't understand this weird mentality where people are offended by the content of a story when when characters within a story do things that don't align with your own morals and then Oh, it's not a good movie or it wasn't a good book or, you know, I just don't get that. Uh, and then hearing, hearing this weird angle on bliss from my friends, I was just like, Jesus, man, this mentality is everywhere now. It's not just the easily offended. It's just like everybody wants everything to be exactly what they would make. Right. Or it's not good.
0: Well, here and- I, what I think is, is really irritating is the same thing people that will not watch a movie like bliss and say oh man like i hate the girl i hate the the main character will watch fucking you know saw or something yeah those characters you're like oh i love jigsaw (laughs) dude jigsaw is a fucking serial killer like what are you talking about how can you say that's cool and then, you know, say, oh, I would hate the girl from Bliss because she smokes blunts and drives around and is a bitch. You know what I
1: mean? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I thought you were going to say American Psycho because. <laughs>
0: but that, too. <laughs> that,
1: too. Yeah. That's like the other end of it. Right. You see people. um both love sides Patrick of on Bateman, though, you
0: know, like, yeah,
1: people do that shit, that weird dude bro. He like uh, you got Patrick Bateman poster in your dorm room or or the fucking
0: joker even dude the joker is a perfect
1: example he's the new patrick bateman yeah (laughs) but yeah that shit where it like there are due to idolize patrick bateman and think that's funny or edgy or cool or whatever and then there are people that are completely turned off by brett easton ellis and american psycho because they think it's glorifying that stuff you know, and they're they're like, Oh that movie's trash. It it inspires these dude bro types who put the posters on their wall and stuff. And it's like, no, it's just a movie. What you do with it is on you. You know, and you can hate it or you can put the Patrick Bay- Bayman poster on your wall, but either way, like that movie wasn't preaching to you. It's just a fucking movie.
0: Right, right. And I man, I've I have been raised to, I've never had censorship in my life. I've, which is crazy to say. I mean, I've I've watched South Park since I, it came out. My dad did not care. I watched Beavis and Butthead. My grandpa watched spaghetti westerns with me. Man, I I grew up Sweet. on Death Wish and violent movies. And it's it's just that's just how it is. I'm not one to say, oh man, I don't like this character. You know what I mean? Like, I, I I'm not gonna not <laughs> like a movie because of the deploral deplorable nature of of the main character or even someone in it or even the person who makes the movie really you know what i mean like i don't right. you know <clears throat> i don't think about exactly. the director really i'm like oh man the dude makes good movies and then you find out he's a fucking creepo you know what i'm saying yeah that sucks <clears throat> but damn there's some good movies out there
1: yeah yeah and that, that was also inspiration for the article which was You know, I think more often than we get people judging the content, I don't know. I think I'm going to take that back. It's probably equal nowadays that you get people like judging the fiction and judging the people who made it. And it's all silly, you know, because again, we're not, I'm not inviting Roman Polanski and fucking Victor Salva to my house. (laughs) Right, right, right. Exactly, Um, man. You know, and I never would. If I got the opportunity, I'd punch him in the fucking neck. Yes. I don't, that shit is not in the movie. Exactly. You know, there is a separation, the, man. Yeah. The film is not a commercial for these people's behavior, no matter what you want it, no matter how bad you want it to be. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, and like, I'll clarify, like fuck Polanski, dude. Fuck him. Whether, yes, whatever, straight up. fuck him, dude.
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: <laughs> like I would straight up punch him in the fucking face too, man. I got fucking, I got kids and shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs>
1: Right, man.
0: Yeah. But yeah. there there is there's is like the there's just a, a there's a hard line between what you how you accept art and the aesthetic value of something and the the creator, I guess. I, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I wonder man if it's a if it's just our age. I don't know. I assume you're you're in your early 30s. I, I'm 29. 29. Okay. Um, so I thirty 35 and I feel like, I don't know, maybe when I was 20, maybe I could have fallen into this mentality that people have online, like maybe, but even then, you know, like you said, I grew up on everything, you know, and saying my parents never, never held back. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I feel like I've never had that mentality that these people have, but maybe it's an age thing. You know,
0: I, I dude, I attribute it to an age thing and like just a weird gap between. And, and I, I, I think a lot of it is social media. And I'm not trying to oh be like yeah. that old dude that's like, hey, man, that's that, you guys are on your <laughs> phones all the time. I mean, I do it too. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, right. I think social media is the way to, I wouldn't, Gravely Unusual wouldn't be a thing without social media in some form, but.
1: Yeah, same I, for me, yeah. I
0: think, I think it does, you know, it gives people a platform to talk more shit than they could usually, if
1: that makes sense. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And everybody loves to be part of the crew, you know.
0: Everybody wants to be heard. Everyone wants to have their opinion listened to, and there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. But then, you know, it, it causes these, it's like, these serious battles, you know what I'm saying? It's like people yeah, will yeah, no, people will dig up any dirt on you. It's like it's like political
1: scandals on Twitter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And again, like when it comes to the <clears throat> the characters and the the content of these stories, I I feel the older I get, the more I want to see a story that focuses on a character that I don't normally see focused on. You know, right. I thought it was really refreshing that the chick from bliss was really gross. Yeah. And yeah. I loved every second of that movie. I was like, she's just gonna what? Oh Yeah. All right, girl. Yeah. That, that was it, the whole time you know?
0: when we watched it too. We're like, like, Oh man, why is she doing that? Like, Oh yeah. come on, man. <laughs> yeah. But it was it yeah. intriguing and it was just shot great. And, I, yeah. I, I loved it man I thought it was it was a breath of fresh air and I said I even said after the movie was done I said we need more movies like this this is what we need like we need Hell more like of yeah. this shit
1: yeah that's exactly what I thought too yeah and you know if um I feel like if the main character of Bliss had been a guy I would never have heard that opinion from a single mouth
0: right right
1: you know cause people are fine with guys just indiscriminately fucking people and doing dope and partying really hard nobody bats an eye but when women do it people are like oh gross yeah
0: yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs>
1: yeah. i find
0: myself always writing it's weird a lot of my comics even like there's there's the wit. a woman is always usually the main character i don't know why i just always write it as a girl or you know i i just write it as yeah. some kind of uh, just some rather than just some some white dude i guess <laughs> as the main character you know what i mean
1: exactly yeah and i surely as a writer you know um i know for me that i haven't been at it as long as i have you just you're always trying to turn a new page and do something different and and not do the same old white dude lead in a horror story thing and so that's why i do it too you know um i'm not big on physical descriptions of characters on the lurking transmission but if you pay close attention to language and choice of narrators you'll you'll know that there's plenty of non-white folks in the lurking transmission and I uh, that's just because I grew up eating up every bit of horror thing I could find and it's largely a field full of white dudes right you know? right you just kind of get tired of that you want to see something different um, and you- it's not Interesting.
0: What we talked about, how uh, you're talking about like main characters and stuff. Um, we recently had a discussion like a few months back about the difference between you know like Lovecraft's you know wimpy main character between um, you know uh, uh, Robert Howard's tough guy Conan. You know archetype. Yeah. You know there's there's so many different routes you can go, and I, I think it gets to a point where you're sick of you're sick of that that main character that you've been exposed to so many times, you know, that, that archetype of the, you know, the, the white dude hero, I guess.
1: Yeah. 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 <clears throat> yeah. Same, same here, man. And, uh, you know, and I don't do it. Um, I mean, it works in my favor in today's climate of representation is good. You know, is was the phrase everybody likes to throw around there. Um, and, uh, You know, I'm a black metal, give no fucks kind of guy. So I'll tell you straight up, like uh, representation means fucking nothing to me. Yes. Representation is useless, man. Like, um, that as a phrase, it's useless. Representation is good. Representation of what? Representation of black woman is good. Why? Yeah. You know, it's not like, um, that is just as bad as telling me that, white man representation is good. It's not about these surface level representations for me. It's about real interesting characters and doing something different than what you always see. Um I certainly do not ever do it just because I'm like, oh this really needs a black guy.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> um I just do it because I want to see something different, you know. And as a southern guy, I grew up with a whole lot of black friends <clears throat> and man down here when you go see a horror movie it is majorly black people in the in the cinema um especially like growing up when i was a kid man like w- when you we went to go see candy man uh or uh anything that was coming out in the 90s yeah fucking uh, like scream or scream yeah I heard, like child's play yeah yeah crazy big down south and black people fucking love child's play and the first one I saw was Child's Play Three, the one with the like the paintball.
0: Yeah, that's when they're ROTC in the, the military shit. school, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, and that was like the fucking hottest movie of the year in the tiny hick town that I grew up in. And that's how it is down south. Like down here we eat up horror and it's uh like black people love it. And most of my friends growing up were black, and you go to the movies, and it's a fucking great time because everybody came to like have a good time. Um and that, but the movies we were going to see were mostly full of white people. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you just kind of want to, as a creator, when you have a chance to to not do that, um, that's what I do, you know. And yeah, it's that's out of no sense of just like this needs this certain kind of person. It just, for me, it needs to be different.
0: Right. It's not just because, you know, you can use the opportunity to represent a certain character you know what i'm saying it's just because it's just because that's how it happens to be and it fits well with the story i guess
1: right yeah yeah and it's interesting to me that there's this push for among writers especially everybody's like representation is good but then also writers will tell you don't write things that aren't in your own voice have you seen this shit? yes Yeah, 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 yeah. So nobody ever comes at me about that, you know. Probably because I only have like a 200 listeners or whatever total to the show. But I'm constantly braced for somebody to come after me about all the black centric stuff that I do. If they find out I'm a white dude, you know, yeah. I'm like, I'm just ready for somebody to show up and be like, "This is not own voice or whatever. Why do you write about black people?" Like, fuck you, man. That's who I grew up with. That's who I hang out with. You know, I just (laughs) I don't care if you're from some fucking Yankee, all white city and that you don't know black people and never grew up with them like I did, man. Um, And that that feels like my voice. So don't tell me what my voice is. I wouldn't dare show up and tell anyone of any color that they couldn't write a story about anyone of any color. You know, (laughs) it's just like absurd to me. And it's especially absurd when you see these things in the same circles of people where it's like representation is good, but don't you fucking write about anybody that doesn't look like you.
0: (laughs) I I hate the limitations that people put on art. You know what I mean? There's so many limitations on what you can do. And that is kind of upsetting to me because it's like, well, if you're, t- I hate rules, man. I hate rules. I hate being told that I can't make something the way I want it to make it. You know? <laughs> right. And if, yeah. if you conceive something in your head how you want it to be, you know, put out on paper or put out on film or put out on the pages, there's that, that's irritating and it makes you want to do it even more.
1: It does. Yeah. It sure does.
0: <laughs> it, it makes you yeah. want to find reasons to why it works just to be like, listen, asshole this is why this is a good story. You know what I mean? This is why this makes
1: sense. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And with bliss, like, so uh, one of the things I love about bliss is obviously Joe Bagos didn't give a fuck what anybody thought about the stuff in this story. Um, You know, he's got a a main character who's like a scuzzy party chick um, who just like hangs out with old dudes. Yeah. You know, it's like the most unglamorous shit he could have put in this movie. <laughs> and uh, and then his choice of music. You know, there's a fair amount of, like, black metal, thrash metal, and yeah. punk. Yeah, And shit, in bliss. And then the fucking amazing climactic scene, which I shan't spoil for anybody who hasn't seen it, but it is set to an ISIS song, you know? And you want to talk about fucking edgy, there's a band that... I mean, how do you even tour with a band name like ISIS now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like one of my favorite bands of all time, uh, and just the the whole package that Joe Bagos put forward in Bliss, he's clearly like both fingers high. Man, he doesn't give a fuck. It's funny
0: you said and ISIS that's what because I, want to see. I have seen. Um, I I went to a show once, and you know how people like cut shit into the the walls of the bathroom. I was with a group of people. Uh-huh. And we went to like a venue to see a show, and my friend came back and he's like, "Dude," I was like, "What?" He's like, "I saw ISIS scratched into <laughs> the 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 room," and I was like, "Oh shit, man!" No, that's, okay. I was like, "That's crazy," and I said to my other friend who's familiar with metal, I was like, "That dude, he's just that's a that's the band. He's they're talking about the band ISIS. We're at a fucking venue right now. You know what I'm saying?" Yeah. Like, but yeah, that's man. that's the effect you're talking about. That's that. Uh, you know exactly crazy
1: yeah we're yep yep (laughs) people can't draw any lines for themselves like
0: well i mean he was literally like scared shitless like the rest of the day like paranoid i was like dude it's all good man like there's no right there's no terrorist here
1: they're talking about the band (laughs) yeah yeah i used to so um i was last I, i moved away from sydney australia in 2014 and um You know, 2014 was, I don't want to say peak. It was probably past peak ISIS panic and all of that. Um, But uh, Australia kind of, by and large, preemptive apologies to any Australian listeners. Australia's kind of fucking racist. Uh, Really? By and large, yeah, man. Damn, that's (laughs)
0: crazy. I I literally just had a friend that moved there a couple years ago. He lives in, um, I think he lives in Melbourne right now.
1: Yeah, Melbourne's cool, man. It's it's a fun place. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's a you know, there's a fair amount of fucking casual racism down there. Um, it's not, you know, god awful segregation in the streets or anything. It's just that open, casual, shitty behavior. Uh, there's a lot of it. Um, and yeah, I don't say that from I wasn't there for a weekend. I fucking lived in Australia for quite a quite a long time, you know, so I I got used to it. But, um, but so Australia's racism is, uh, whereas here, you know, the predominant racism we see in the States is like, uh, white versus black or vice versa. Um, mostly what you get down there is racism towards Asian or Middle Eastern people. Um, and man, like walking around with my ISIS t-shirts on, you would get really shitty looks from people who don't realize it's a band, you know, and I didn't fucking nuts, man. I would not expect that either. Oh yeah. Yeah. Again, sorry Australians. If you're not a racist (laughs) Australian, I salute you. You're living a good life. You know, don't support that racist shit.
0: That's crazy. How long did you live in? australia for
1: uh the last time i was there was a little over a year 13 months um but i've put in a couple of stretches at different times you know so first time i was there i was there for a month and a half and then when i went down to get married i was there for three and a half months you know so all told like about two years that i've lived down there
0: wow well yeah that's crazy that's probably how long my my friends live down there that's nuts man i would never expect that. I always thought they were like really progressive or whatever.
1: Man, in a lot of ways they really are. And don't let me, you know, it's not like everybody on the fucking streets of,
0: uh, I just heard their (laughs) internet sucked really bad. That's one thing I heard.
1: (laughs) Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. And they pay for, um, data usage. Right. So, um, and this was back before that was ever instituted here in the States. So like the first time I ever went down there was in 2007, right? And in 07 in South Georgia, I just paid 30 bucks for the internet. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I could fucking burn up as much internet as I could. And that's the same goddamn $30 I paid every month. And then moving to Australia that first time and finding out that they paid for data usage in their home and i was like what how does that work and they're like you know well depending on how much you use it you're charged for that and i'm like whoa that's fucked (laughs)
0: yeah that is fucked that's awful
1: yeah and they didn't believe me they're like nah surely you're just like not paying attention to your bill or you don't use much and i'm like no it's we just get the internet you know and now we've switched to this like you pay for your speed system uh instead of just like a flat rate for the internet like it used to be but we still don't really pay for data usage no no
0: i mean maybe if like on a
1: phone but that's only if
0: you go over you know
1: right but yeah down there it's uh it's based on what you use so you could fuck around and get like a 75 or 100 internet bill for watching a bunch of netflix what a bunch of fucking shit dude fuck that yeah <laughs> yeah it sucks <laughs> yeah but uh you know it it otherwise was a really lovely place to live man i got a a soft place in my heart for australians and and the place itself and i mean uh, i still want to
0: go there for sure like it sounds i mean it's like overall like aside from the little shitty quirks about it like i still want to just see what it what it's like down there that's one of my like bucket list places to go you know what i'm saying
1: yeah, no, I highly recommend it. Man. It's a it's a great place, um, and especially you know you're a fellow Southerner. I can I count Kentucky as part of the South, um, and uh, there's like Australians do have that feel of the South, like the the Southern hospitality thing, you know, and it, it's real down there. If you you walk into most places, and as long as you don't carry yourself like a fucking dweeb, um, <laughs> you know, you'll you'll get offered a beer, and and people are cool. Um, it's a a fun place to be it's not you know don't let me paint it like fucking south Alabama in 1960 or anything it's (laughs) it's not like that Um,
0: no George Wallace shit
1: (laughs) right no nothing like that but it was more than I'm used to seeing openly here even in the south where most people think we're all fucking racist tools um, and we're not (laughs) or that's not been my experience in life it's crazy uh,
0: man that's that that's just what i that's what i know is the south and i i've never been past ohio the farthest north i've ever been is michigan the farthest west i've ever been is uh iowa you know i've lived in florida i've lived in florida and kentucky back and forth my whole life you know that's that's all i know dude yeah those are two
1: country-ass places for sure
0: um. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, so we
1: yeah, go ahead. No.
0: No. I'm sorry, dude. Go ahead.
1: Uh. Yeah. So we. You know. We get this rep down here for being this thing that we're not. Um. But I feel like what I saw in Australia was they kind of are the thing that people say they are. If if they've been down there, you know. Here's a brief example. Then I'll stop trashing Australia. <laughs> <laughs> when I was living down there in 2013 and 2014, they had this big. You know, big to do in the media um, where uh, there's a place called Manus Island and a Iraqi or Iranian kid, 18 years old, got killed at this place called Manus Island. And so the headlines start going around and they're like, 18 year old detainee killed at Manus Island. Blah, blah blah and i started asking my australian buds <clears throat> because this was a big fucking story everybody was pissed about this and i'm like what is manis island and they go it's a refugee camp and i was like what's a refugee camp and they're like oh well they're apartment complexes surrounded by razor wire on islands off the coast of australia where we send illegal immigrants who show up on boats." what yeah oh, dude fuck Yeah, man. So you've never heard of this, right? No, no. Yeah, well, I had never heard of this shit either. And so I go, what the fuck are are you kidding me? Also, how do people get to this place and how do you hold them all on this one island? How big is it? And they're like, oh, no, we have plenty of them, dude. This is just one of them. And also, you guys have fucking refugee camps in the States. And I was like, no, we don't, bro. And I think the word that you're kind of circumnavigating here is concentration camp. (laughs) I think that's the word you probably should be using. (laughs) But my Australian friends are like, no, man, what's Guantanamo? And I'm like, well, look, Guantanamo is one thing, dude. Uh, You don't just get sent to Gitmo by showing up from Cuba or Mexico or whatever. You know, you, there's some very specific fucking circumstances that get you sent to Guantanamo Bay. Uh, and th- they were blown away. My Australian friends thought for sure that we do what they do, which is when illegal immigrants show up and are caught, they put them on these fucking islands, these goddamn concentration camps. Dude, that's <laughs> And they call them crazy. crazy camps. Totally crazy, right? And so a fucking fishing boat full of redneck Australians... Pulled up on this island, jumped to the fence, and beat this kid to death, and hauled ass, and were never caught. Dude, that's so fucked up, man. Can you imagine that shit happening here? Just fucking bonkers, man, bonkers. And that's the kind of, like, open, systematic racism they got going on down there yeah that is totally
0: systematic that's like it's it's like oh yeah that shit just happened you know what i mean yeah
1: i was blown away man
0: fucking blown away god damn dude that's and see that's the shit that i i have no idea about you know you only see pictures of sydney and fucking finding nemo type shit you know what i mean right and then you hear about the nitty-gritty
1: stuff and god thank you which you know let me again defend these motherfuckers like the progressive cool people of of sydney where i was at at the time we marched i mean there were like ten thousand of us in the streets of downtown sydney with candles you know for that kid and it was a big fucking deal like people were not happy about it you know but uh they all knew about the goddamn camps you know um it was like before the kid got beat to death life was as usual which i found crazy
0: well that's like that whole like coney campaign you know that happened a few what it was like 10 years ago everyone was like oh we're marching for coney about the guy enslaving children soldiers in africa dude that shit's been going on for fucking half a century you know what i'm saying like
1: yeah like you guys because some there's some hot point involving a celebrity or involving American finances or something and then we get involved.
0: Right. And that's an early point of where social media influences all that shit. You get a campaign going on Facebook, everybody's out in the streets in Ashland, Kentucky, where I live, where nobody even knows who the fuck Coney is. People are right. got their signs out. I'm like, dude, you guys are doing nothing in Ashland, Kentucky. You know what I mean? Right. Like if you really want to do something, fly on a mission over there and Try to do something, raise fucking money for it. Don't just don't yep. stand here with your fucking sign in front of the bank. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's yeah. my end of my rant. I don't want to get too, yeah. <laughs> get too same deep, here. Into it. Got
1: way too deep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I should have figured this happened. Like my bad, dude. I did not mean to drag this into it. Anyways.
1: Uh, no problem, man. Sorry, Australian.
0: Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Did not mean to trash anybody on here. Um. Moving yeah. on. I want to talk about uh ritual light and sound because you guys only have a few episodes up and it's it's really cool i listened to the hereditary episode today um and it's just cool because it's something different you're uh equating the occult to certain occult movies like uh the first episode's about hereditary and then the third episode's about the craft and these are all familiar movies you know these are kind of in popular culture and you kind of discern the the occult aspect of it so you are you do practice the occult or any kind of you know subculture uh esoteric religion yourself
1: uh yes yes sir i do um i'm a, a practicing occultist and you know more or less dedicated to a couple of different paths i still claim to be a Thelemite uh, which is, you know, I'm part of Aleister Crowley's cult slash religion. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a pagan death worshiper, for lack of a better term, which shouldn't be too unfamiliar to hardcore black metal people at this point. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and so, like, uh, having a being a, a practitioner, when you see movies like that, it's always really fascinating to me to dig into the reality that's placed in the, into certain movies. I mean, some movies are totally just hokey fiction, but then you see stuff, for instance, like Hereditary, where somebody did some real reading into those concepts and put it into the film. And as a practitioner, I find that really, really fascinating, um, especially when uh, you can't find anything about like information about behind the scenes. Like, Ari Aster doesn't do interviews, really. He's I've only done like one.
0: A, yeah, I've heard one by Ari Aster. That's it. That's it. One. Yeah, he,
1: he really only does a few and he doesn't talk about that stuff at all, though he clearly does research for his films. And, um, and again, this is like same thing with Lurking Transmission. I just, I had the idea while watching Hereditary. I was like, man, this is like, the second or third movie I've seen here recently where I feel like I really want to have a conversation with somebody else uh, who knows this stuff and I was like, surely somebody's already doing this you know I figured especially you know how it is nowadays with Instagram witches and stuff like <laughs> yeah a witchy woman yeah whatever yeah a, a chick with her tits out and a Walmart skull in a black and white photo and she's a witch, you know? Um, and that's really popular now, which I think is great. It's it, like it, the the bigger it is, the more real people are going to be involved with it. You know, that's just the math on the situation. And uh, so I support Instagram witchery and all of that bullshit. Let's go. But you see all of this out there on the social media. And so I'm like, well, surely there's a podcast out there covering you know, horror films and stuff from an actual practitioner's point of view, but I couldn't find one. Um, like not even a, I didn't even find like an Instagram, which kind of horror movie talk show. Uh, so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to give it a shot. Um, also people fucking love talk shows. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I've got an easier time. Listen, talking people into listening, listening to me ramble about fucking movies it's way easier to get them to listen to that than to listen to my, like what I consider art. You yeah. Know, which yeah. is like, here's a story. People are like, eh, I don't want to listen to your damn story, man, but I will listen to you bullshit about that movie for an hour. <laughs>
0: I mean, like, some okay. podcasts are like two hours long about people talking about fucking Ooh, yeah. Jason takes Manhattan. I'm like, how much can you talk about the guy punching the head off yeah, him um, off the, you know, the roof, you know what I mean? But yeah, yeah,
1: yeah I totally understand what you're saying. And so many shows want to just um, – it's like two people talking you through the entire plot of a movie you've seen ten times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But people get that like, shit up. I know they do. They do. And, uh, you know, I dig it when the when the hosts are really fucking engaging or, uh, or really enlightening or really funny. Uh, I can go for a show like that too. But for the most part, I like to listen to talk shows like Astro Radio Z – which is like you throw on Astro and you're going to hear shit that you did not know. You know, these dudes are real filmmakers and real like deep dive cult film fans and you're going to learn something and they're hilarious. Um, So, you know, I, I tried to approach it from more of like an informative, I want this to be stuff you haven't necessarily already heard somebody else talking about, you know, and I wanted to try and spur a conversation maybe with other practitioner film fans. Um, that's not really happened for me yet, (laughs) but, but I'm hoping eventually somebody will come out of the woodwork. Who's like, yeah, I'm also a bonkers fucking occult practitioner. And I love horror movies too. (laughs) Cause I know, I know they're out there. Um, but so far, you know, people have enjoyed listening to the show, even if they're not necessarily into that kind of thing or a practitioner theirself. Uh, and so then I, I guess I know that it's working on some level.
0: <laughs> so do you actually do um, do rituals and and things,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. Uh, you know, again, back to hereditary. Um, so I, which, which I
0: know, I know, um, which you said in, in ritual light and sound. I always pronounce it payment, but it's it's pyman and. Well,
1: hey, I say I say Paimon. I don't. That's what it looks like. P a i m o n yeah. to me looks like Paimon.
0: Um, it's so funny that when I saw this movie, I saw it in the theaters, and when they said "Hail Paimon," I wanted to stand up in my chair and say "Hail yes. Paimon." You know what I mean? Because I know yeah. I know the Lesser Key of Solomon. I know I'm not a practitioner, but I'm I'm a studier of the occult. You know, I've I don't know how many times I've read. LeVay's satanic Bible I don't know how many times I've read you know certain things of, you know uh Colin Wilson's studies on the occult you know what I mean I right, I yeah. love those things and I, I'm deeply interested in it as a practitioner no I'm I don't practice anything but I I know about the information of it and like I said I, I knew payment I I knew about these things that they talked about so and and when you see the sigil on the you know, on, on various things throughout the movie, I instantly, I'm like, I'm hooked. I'm, I'm, this is for me. This is what I like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool, man. You're, um, I've sort of been looking for somebody in your niche to talk to about hereditary because, uh, that like to me, you know, be, because I believe in these concepts, uh, I believe in angels and demons, although I don't necessarily believe that they are like outside entities that come from heaven or hell or have fucking anything to do with the Bible or anything. Um, But I believe in these concepts and I believe that this stuff is psychologically affecting. And I think proof positive of that is the fact that hereditary fucks people up, man. Like the, you know, a lot of people hate it. You either kind of love or hate hereditary, but the people who love it find it really affecting and really fucking dreadful you know um or you're kind of a like um comfortable with the darkness kind of person like I assume you are and it gives you those feelings of like triumph
0: yes 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 That's, uh, I, I heard the music at the end of the movie like like I heard the score and I literally I it, it just it moved me man it really did just at the same of right. midsummer mid the end of midsummer it moved me.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, yeah,
0: that hasn't been said for a lot of movies, and I'm not looking for that in movies particularly. I'm not saying I need a movie yeah. to move me, right? But when a movie does, holy
1: shit, you know what I'm saying? I, yeah, like I said, strange. I want to stand
0: up and applaud, I want to say, Hail, payment myself,
1: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, like I said, I think that that shows that this stuff is effective, and it doesn't matter whether you whether you're familiar with it or not i feel like there're plenty of people who've never fucking heard of paimon uh, of or um goetia or any of this stuff had never account encountered these ideas before hereditary but they find the movie very heavy and affecting as well um and then if you are familiar with these concepts you get even more out of it you know um and you know that's so why I really like Ari Aster because, like you said, I also loved *Midsummer*. Uh, *Midsummer* is a much better movie to me. I agree. Um, I agree. I,
0: I thought *Midsummer* was far superior than *Hereditary*, just in the fact that it was, the the conception of the film was, was full circumference, and that's what I'm always looking for is an Ouroboros, dude. I'm looking for a full circle, and yes, and yeah. I feel like that's what *Midsummer* did is, you got a full circle of this character that was so deeply troubled in the end, it ends with her fucking cracking a grin. You know what I mean? And it had right, yeah. at at an awful situation, <laughs> but in a beautiful <laughs> way, I guess.
1: You yeah. Know, Hereditary absolutely. was
0: a lot darker. Yeah. It was very grim and,
1: you know, right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Total different, Typical, different yeah. dichotomy.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like he gets that, you know, that weight in his movies because he incorporates these occult concepts. Um, And, uh, right. Um, So because hereditary is like particularly personal for me, so I practice Goetia or Goetia, however you want to pronounce it. You know, I I summon demons occasionally. And uh, in particular in this band that I'm in, I'm in a, a ritual noise band, and one of our songs or pieces, as we call them, we don't really play songs, <laughs> but uh, one of our pieces is meant. It is a summoning of Paimon. So when we play this song or piece, it's meant to bring Paimon into the mind of anybody who can hear it. The like summoning triangle is is meant to be set up in your head, and it's meant to bother you. You know, we I want to make you feel something when you hear this. Uh, in particular, I want to un- unnerve you, you know, I, I want to make you feel suspense or looming dread when you hear this stuff. And it works for us, too. Um, we did a tour in the summer of 2018 with some friends of ours who were in a black metal band. We opened for them on the road and we regularly affected people. You know, um, we quite often have people coming up to us after shows and, and, and telling us that, they were really bothered <laughs> by what we what we were doing and and so I know these things work um and I have a real specific connection to Paimon because he's the demon that we summon in that piece and so we're out there on that tour and I, I'm pretty sure it was the summer of 2018 that Hereditary came out or yeah, yeah. This- Spring, summer, fall, something of twenty eighteen. It was right around when we were on the road that friends of ours were hitting us up and we're like, Have you fucking seen this movie? Hereditary so you, man you me-
0: had the song the the ritual you are already, you know, compiled before well obviously when Hereditary was being made, but before it even came out really.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Power all
0: crazy um, dude. Yeah, it's
1: on our first full length, uh, which was twenty fourteen. That's
0: some Carl fucking Young shit, dude. That is, like, that yeah, is just crazy. Yeah. It's a weird how, you know, it's, like, in the... I always say it's, like, in the ethereal plane just floating around. and It then, is, yeah, man. Then people just manifest it somehow in art. Like, I notice these coincidences all the time. Like I yeah, said, I'm, I'm not a practice, practicing occultist, but I notice these things, and I read a lot of... Um, like I said, I, I have a degree in... um a uh, philosophy, a fucking minor, not nothing crazy. Nice, but cool. but, but that, that's what I. That, if I could have went back and changed it, that's would have been my my bachelor's in. But it's in art. But oh, no. Either way, that's that's what I study. And you know, I notice these things. I read a lot of a lot of the crazies, the kooks of philosophy, <laughs> like you know, yeah. fucking Saron and um, Young and shit. So so that that right. whole kind of ethereal plane that exist in this just formless void. It just channels through people. And it's so weird that it just channeled through you guys. And then also at the same time, that same, just, it's like there was just a void open, like a fucking hole was opened, and it just shot out and everybody, you know, kind (laughs) of engulfed that idea.
1: Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I feel, uh, so actually I should give credit where credit is due. I'm friends with some guys from Long Island, New York city based black metal band called Teloc Voven. And they're hardcore, grimy, occult black metal. And they roll with Paimon a lot. Like their, their first album had a lot to do with Paimon. And uh, I learned how affecting and how powerful Paimon is as a concept through becoming friends with those guys and getting into their music um, because it's that song that they play is also very affecting, you know, and my friend Greg from the band was was telling me, he was like, well, you should call up Paimon sometime, man. Like, if you've ever thought you had a dramatic, uh, this is definitely real kind of experience When with Goetia, fucking give Paimon a call and, and see what you get because he always shows up in full force, you know, and I was like, okay. So we started incorporating him into our music and, and found the same, you know, he's just, it's very affecting. He's a, he, it, whatever you want to call it, it's a powerful concept and it affects the headspace of, of most people who experience it. And, uh, yeah, I'm a believer in the M field as people call it, right? The morphogenetic field or the morphogenic field or whatever, which is that you throw an idea out there and then it's out there in the collective ether for other people to grab. So like, if we look back through history, we'll see that the steam engine was invented by two different people on two sides of the planet at roughly the same time who had no communication with each other.
0: Exactly. And their Yes.
1: Advancements, you know, human advancements throughout time have happened like that, which kind of show us that there is this weird collective thought pool that we're all pulling from. Um, so yeah, and, and I've never been able to find, I looked hard to find Ari Aster actually talking about any of this stuff because I want to know how he came across it. But I assume that it went like this, now, this is my, uh, you know, theoretically how it went down. I think, I think he cracked the lesser key of Solomon looking for real demon info to put in his scary movie and he's flipping through just like looking for something that grabbed him. And he hit Paimon's page and either the sigil or the name or the description or something hit him hard. Because that's what Paimon tends to do. And it grabbed hold of Aster's imagination and he rolled it into his movie. Uh, what, is the,
0: mean, I, I, what is the... What um, is the... Every, every demon has a kind of like, you know sitch that it it follows like just like uh my personal favorite is beware he is um of music oh, yeah. music and metaphysical philosophy that's my favorite um right uh, what is what is payments I, I don't
1: even i can't even think of it i uh his deal is art um art wisdom and like scientific knowledge right so he's right generally thought of as just being an incredibly wise figure you know if you've got any kind of heady question or anything you're struggling with intellectually uh he's thought of as a good good point to go to um like you said booer or Buer, however you want to say it um he's i see him used by a lot of black metal and even like black end death metal bands because he fits uh music really well like you said um and and Paimon is just kind of thought of as like a sagely figure and he's also a king among demons he has two pages or whatever which means he's a little bit up in the hierarchy of demons which might be why he is kind of dramatically affecting i don't know um and it's odd man because i have you know trafficked with a few different (laughs) figures for the lesser key of solomon but since getting into paimon in 2014 i haven't really uh worked with any other demons i just stick with paimon he sort of seems to work with for anything i need so
0: so there there is a whole there's a whole giant list um it's it's kind of like uh it's kind of like hindu there's so many avatars for many different gods but there's so many so many different you know hierarchies of hell um it's interesting it's it's kind of not even that you picked paimon it's kind of it it gravitated to you right
1: uh yeah i would say i would say so yeah that's that's yeah i just was looking for something that would that wouldn't waste my time something that was gonna definitely affect people every single time and and that one has worked out for me so far
0: so when these uh like like last night you did a um you guys did a live uh you guys did a live music uh, yeah Ritual, which was I caught the first part of it, and it, it was totally cool. Is just so you guys do um ritual noise, right? Yeah. What yeah, yeah. what what is kind of the the? A lot of people aren't familiar with that, man. Like, what is what is kind of the aspect of that that you know draws people toward that towards that genre of music?
1: Um. Well, I think uh, at this point, a lot of people are familiar with the term ambient music, right? Um. And for me, ritual noise is just, it's just ambient music. It's not structured music. It's not verse chorus. Uh, it is not, it's not typically what a lot of people even would call music. Um, you know, it's noise, uh, ambient noise, but then ritual noise is ambient noise done in the name of some occult practice. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know some big, some some like really massive successful bands right now are ritual noise bands. Fucking um, Wardruna and Hilung are both ritual noise bands. I don't know if you listen to that stuff at all.
0: Not particularly. No, that's what I'm. I'm very unfamiliar with the genre myself.
1: Okay, so Wardruna does the soundtrack for the TV show Vikings. Really, really. Yeah, yeah, and they're. But Bordruna are, they are true, uh, I think they're Icelandic, maybe they're Swedish, I don't know. They're true practitioners of Nordic paganism. So, uh, you know, they use ancient Icelandic, Nordic stuff in their lyrics. They use, like, high German words of magic. Uh, So all their, it's like Viking soundtrack shit but it's also with real occult viking pagan beliefs like it's authentic yeah yeah it's authentic stuff um and that that stuff's really popular but uh yeah so that's ritual noise for me is just ambient music done in the name of some occult practice Um, and what we do as bound for the ground is death worship for the most part so, uh, you know, we just try and every time we do a show or, you know, live stream something, it's uh, we're trying to remind you that soon enough you'll be dead, just like every single one of us on this planet, you know, and we don't want you to feel bad about that. Uh, <laughs> that
0: that's, a, that's a good thing, dude. That's a, I, I feel like I try to remind people of that all the time. <laughs> Yeah, people don't like that. <laughs> no, no, they're they're very fil- fearful of it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. It's
1: yeah. I always it's say, the man, ultimate fuel for me. i um, you know,
0: yeah, yeah. You're def- I always say, def- man, definitely didn't... not
1: gonna live forever. So fuck it up, do, do That's do you that's mean.
0: what I was about to say. Yeah, you're definitely not gonna live forever. The only certainty between the only thing that is common between us all is that we are gonna die.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah dude that's and yeah
1: we always close it out with the the paimon piece which is uh called this ain't rock and roll this is genocide which is a david bowie reference but uh we always we always close it out with the paimon piece because we want to kick you in the nuts right before we leave
0: so do you have any do you have any like recordings up
1: anywhere or uh yeah anything you yeah, can um... purchase yeah, on Bandcamp, you can find Bound for the Ground and um, you'll find that we do two things. Uh, so we do the ritual noise thing and then sometimes we do acoustic Delta Blues Black Metal, um, which is probably probably just exactly what it sounds like. It's not complicated. Imagine like, if if you had the the gear... That Robert Johnson had, but you wanted to make black metal. That sounds awesome. Um, I want to hear that's, that. That's what we do. So if you heard that first thing we did last night with the greasy slide, the greasy yeah. slide guitar shit, that's that stuff. Um, yeah, I definitely want to hear more. Cool, man. Much appreciated.
0: So what's uh, what's coming up like in the future for uh, any podcast for... You know, Lurking Transmission or Ritual Light and Sound. Do you guys have anything coming up that is cool?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, in the immediate future, I'm throwing together uh, an episode that I'm calling the Howard Phillips Lovecraft Radio Theater, which is going to be a collection of H.P. Lovecraft stories put together like an episode of Lurking normally is, but it's going to be all Lovecraft. And I decided to put that together because, you know, we're living in these weird times where so many of us are cooped up in the house and trying to stay away from each other and not spread the plague and shit. And, you know, a lot of creative people are are trying to get stuff out there for people to enjoy in these times. And Lovecraft is copyright free, baby, so... You know, I, I I didn't have to dig through my own archives or quickly bang out a new handful of stories. I can just dig up some Lovecraft favorites and get this episode out. So that's going to be coming real soon, uh, probably this coming week or weekend. Um, so do, you, do you edit and,
0: all the stuff, too? Do you, do you put it all
1: together? Oh, or, yeah. Really? Yeah, man. Yes, sir. That's that's all me um anything in the lurking transmission that's not robert e howard or lovecraft is mine um and i edit it all together i'm the the engineer and i I pay the few people who get paid and (laughs) that kind of stuff do you guys take submissions as well uh yes we do yeah um i just don't get any really uh no, no, like I put out the call when I which I had a lot smaller Twitter following back when I first put out the call for submissions. But um, I have one guy, Scott West from up in Washington State who hit me up, and he's his story. Sepulcro de demonio is in our Halloween episode from twenty nineteen. But other than Scott's story, I've never run anything that wasn't mine or Lovecraft or Howard. And I would love to find more, man. But it's hard to find people who fit the style of Lurking Transmission, you know. Of course, of
0: no, oh. I mean there's
1: not a lot of like,
0: you guys have that um, that, that that pulpy style, you know. It's, it's very like right. pulp, Weird Tales Thank magazines <laughs> or even Midnight Graffiti has this, you know just this magazine feel it feels like i'm like opening up the pages of something i bought off the
1: newsstand uh, th- wait, what's mag what's uh midnight graffiti
0: oh it's like a 80s 80s i don't i think it was pretty short-lived i got a few issues i got from a comic book store out of the bin it's got like you know uh um david scow and um oh shit okay. it has like interviews with like richard madison it's actually inspired a lot of gravy usual when i first read it um just like cool. splatterpunk stuff and you know just john skip shit like but it's got this it's got this like appreciation for the old stuff but it's very fresh but it was back in like 89 and stuff and it just it just died out when it just had like probably like four shit. or five issues it was like a quarterly magazine only last for a couple years
1: I'll try and run that down, man. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Check it out. I think they have a compendium of, of everything. Definitely check it out, dude. You totally dig it.
1: Yeah. Cool, man. Um, but yeah, just like, I don't find, you know, I've, I've had, I had a few submissions, but Scott was the only one that, that fit my style. You know, a lot of people's horror stories are about, um, tend to focus on like everyday life kind of characters or even worse writers, (laughs) (laughs) yeah god and uh that's like an immediate turn off for me man you really you want with very fucking rare exception you will not find that shit on the lurking transmission i don't do stories about people going to work and shit it's like fuck that i want balls out crazy bloody knuckle fucking high octane horror stories i'm not interested in and being Stephen King, man, and talking about I love Stephen King. Yeah, love me
0: too, him. me too. I
1: understand but what I you're can't saying, man. That. Um, you know, I, I grew up on Robert E. Howard big time, and I want that uh sparks flying off the page kind of feel to my stuff, you know, meets black metal intensity. And I just, you know, I don't don't find much of it. You your stories would fit on the lurking transmission, man, big time.
0: Dude, I, I would totally I'll I'll send you some actually. Yeah, totally please do, Yeah, I'll totally be down to send you some. And it's funny you say like I I try my hardest, dude, to write. Like the other day, I was like, I'm gonna try to write something that's very, uh, you know, relatable to people. And and I try to like you know deep down I try, but I can't do it, dude. I get like past <laughs> a paragraph and I'm like, this sucks. I'm like, this is awful. I'm gonna, uh, I don't, yeah. I, I delete it and I delete it. I can't do it. I just right. can't fake the funk, dude, and I can only write I can only write what I what I dig, dude. I can only write what I feel and like I said, that's that's you've you've read um The Shores of Earth from issue two and
1: oh, I love that story, love it. That
0: that's just something I just that just something that came to me, dude. It manifested out of nowhere. I wrote it in one night, touched it up a few times and edited it and that was that was it. Like and then all these other stories I write that I try so hard on, I'm like, this sucks, man. Get rid of it. I'm
1: trying too hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it can't be
0: something yeah. that you <clears throat> you bullshit your way through, dude. People can tell bullshit through writing.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, they sure can. And it's it's taken me a long time. You know, I've been, uh, I've wanted to be a serious writer since I was a, a kid. You know, I've been cranking out short stories since I was seven or eight years old and considered myself taking a serious crack at it since I was like 19 or so and you just like the God's honest truth and I used to read this from old timers like Stephen King when I was in my early 20s and you know you don't want to hear that shit because you're in your early 20s but you just you gotta throw away like the first pile of stuff you write because it's not very good (laughs) Yep, yep. (laughs) that's everybody dude like nobody hits the keyboard and is very good Um, I I read Dance
0: Macabre by Stephen King man and he was just like, "Man, you got to spend like 8 hours a day reading and writing. You <laughs> yeah. got to do this and that." And I was like, "Man, fuck that. I don't care about that." But I'm like, no, the older yeah. I get, I'm like, "Man, this motherfucker's right. Like, what the hell am I doing?" You know what I mean? Like, right. Yeah, there's there's definitely you got to you got to practice, dude. You got to you got to put in work and and that's the thing. You know, people want to be writers, and I'm not knocking anything. There's a lot of great writers out there that you know self-publish and all that shit, and there there really is. There's a there's a whole handful of oh, yeah. Yeah. great writers and that get published on small presses. I mean, we're a fucking small press, you know what I mean? And right. I want to give a platform to people that can't get their shit published everywhere. But you can tell people that are putting in work, or people that are going on Amazon and putting it up and getting, you know what I'm
1: saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you sure can. Um, and I don't know, that's not really something that you can describe exactly or really explain, but it's just, you know, it's there. You know, for me, it only takes a page or two. And, and I don't know if this is a thing for me, if this feels competently written, uh, competently and confidently written. If the first um, paragraph
0: and- doesn't hook me, man, if the first page doesn't hook me, I'm like,
1: yep I'm, I'm out. sorry yes, dude i same.
0: just there, it just doesn't have much for me and even if it's a there's some good concept in there you have to you have to grab people man
1: yeah exactly yeah and that's you know just what i try and aim for is that pulpy grab you by the throat feel um with my stories and then you know i tend to have a southern um element to what's going on or some sort of just the spirit of black metal involved in what i do and and yeah and that stuff just it's not for everybody it's a it's a particular voice for a particular kind of listener or reader or creator and you know i don't make it for everybody i not in a million years expect the Lurkin transmission to be some kind of big it ain't going to be welcome to nightville you know yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, i love welcome to nightville but they are universally appealing they're a fucking
0: I actually haven't listened to Welcome Night Bill yet.
1: Oh, man, it's...
0: I heard it's really hey, good.
1: You would, I think you would like it. Um, I heard it's like Twin Peaksy, like... Very Twin Peaksy, but with a big shot of humor.
0: See, I'm a huge Twin Peaks fan, which I'm not really like the biggest David Lynch lover, although I like a uh-huh. lot of his movies, but
1: I, I love Twin Peaks, you know? And, and okay, I think, so yeah, it's nightvale is definitely more twin peaksy than it is like (laughs) lynchian
0: it's so weird that's such a hard thing to say because i really do like david lynch movies but i i don't really like his short films and i don't really like Mm. i don't really like that new thing he did on netflix with the monkey i didn't really like
1: that (laughs) I still haven't watched it, man. I didn't have Netflix back when that first hit and then I renewed and just keep forgetting that it's on there. I gotta fucking
0: watch it. Yeah, that. that's the thing. I'm like I'm a big fan like of a lot of the shit that he does, but it's just like him and a lot of the like the weird stuff he does. I'm like, dude, come on, dude. I get it. I get it.
1: I get it. You're artsy and all that shit. Yeah, he's weird, man. He's yeah. weird. I fucking love Lynch. I think the, the coolest thing about Lynch to me is that that motherfucker is an occult practitioner, but he doesn't talk about it.
0: Ever. Really? I did not know ever. that.
1: Ever. No, and I, like I go out on a limb when I say that because he literally has never said that, fucking ever. <laughs> and I read a lot of his interviews and watch a lot of his interviews, and I'm always looking for it. He never, ever says it, but his work is full of it fucking full of it well it's twin very peaks
0: too. It's, it's very pessimistic too which is very like that's what attracts me to it it's got this twin peaks of course is totally there's such an occult aspect to twin peaks that hell yes. and it's so crazy that, that was such it,
1: a popular show you know what i mean well i think that's why man i think he put some heavy real beliefs behind that shit and it translated and people might not necessarily know what they're seeing but they know that what they're seeing. Is something that they don't really understand, and it feels bigger than you. Did you know? watch
0: the return? The the oh yeah yeah love it. love. It's weird because like it dragged through like a lot of the middle episodes, but it's weird. I saw it. it's one of those moments at the final episode, at the very end. I was like, holy shit! Like perfect circle, Ouroboros. <laughs> like this is yeah, everything. Like that made sense. It made it all make sense. It made all that drag. Makes sense, and yes. I think that's what Lynch is about—is like he'll put you through unsettling, just like that. That's what makes him an artist, I guess. You know what I mean? And hell yeah, yeah, man. It's very they talk unsettling. about a kick in
1: the nuts, dude. Yes. The end of Twin Peaks: The Return is like, oh my god, really? Yes, this dude. Is, fuck me, man. This is where we're leaving it. Fuck. <laughs> I loved it too,
0: and so many people were like, "That was my most hated episode." I liked everything up until then. I'm like, "Well, you fucking didn't understand Twin Peaks."
1: Thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't get that either, man. Yeah, that brought it home for me because, but like you said, in the I didn't feel like it dragged, but um, I it spins so far out into this weird, uh, almost self-parody at times. Like it gets really bizarre and funny when like Jim Belushi and Robert Nepper, the like Vegas guys, and Dougie and all of that yeah, shit. Yeah, the Dougie. I mean,
0: maybe that's just me. Maybe I need to it's watch it again. I so haven't watched weird. it since it came on TV, but like, like I said, like it was just like I hadn't watched it in years, and then I watch it again, and I'm like, I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for Twin Peaks to come back, and then I see it. I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? And like, some of it's scary, some of it's funny, some of it's like <laughs> yeah. bright colored. But like, that's that's what I'm saying. That's a Lynch thing. It's like yeah, he, he is able to mix all those elements in
1: straight up yeah and i love that he just left it off on that ultimately fucking black note perfect he just like perfect yeah and let me remind you this is yeah. a horror story motherfuckers yes. so i was not gonna leave you happy dude and even when I, they're
0: in the car and like in the last episode and and you know they're going through the car and there's like these like lights going past them and then it's just it's just cooper and you know and then you go to the house so you go to the you know, you go to the Palmer house and that's it. And it's just, that's it. That's the end of it. It's over. Like, yeah. so perfect. <laughs> so it's so grim. funny. Like, I, I like brought, a, when I first saw Eraserhead, like it came on something. And I was like, dude, this movie is awesome. And I was like, I'm going to bring friends over and we're going to watch this again. So I brought a couple friends over and we like smoked some pot or whatever. And they were like, dude, I don't like this. I was like, are you serious? Like, you guys don't <laughs> like this? Like, this is fucking awesome yeah but yeah yeah it's so, like it's weird that a lot of people don't dig it
1: yeah yeah eraser head i mean i get that it's a, a bit of a tougher sell than his other stuff eraser head's more similar to his short work than most of his features are um but so here's a sweet a, a piece of evidence that i think points to the fact that lynch is a, a practitioner and um like wh- he does talk about like zen and uh meditation a lot. He, he does get into that like quite often in interviews, but he's never fucking once used the word occult or practitioner or anything. But, um, so in the the at the tail end of every episode of Ritual Light and Sound, I have there's a sound sample right as the episode closes. It's David Lynch talking about head and he's telling some guy who's interviewing him. Um, uh, the the guy asks him about this dead cat that's on set it's not a set it's an actual location where they shot eraser head like out in these weird factories and shit but the guy sees this dead cat like all mummified in tar and he's like what the fuck is that about and david lynch is like oh that's a cat i got from a local vet who said i could use it in my work and then it accidentally fell in the tar over there and it ended up mummifying in that strange way and you know we thought we were going to get it in the film in a shot, but it it never actually ended up in the film. Um, And then the the interviewer guy goes, okay, so the the cat's not actually in the film though? And David Lynch goes, no, no, the cat's not in the film, but um, uh, the the main character from Eraserhead, I can't remember his name. He's like, uh, so-and-so comes walking down these stairs and he stands right here where we shoot this one scene and the cat was right here. He was standing right over it. So in a sense, the cat is in the film. (laughs) And that, that to me is like straight up occult psychology. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he fucking made sure there was an actual dead cat where they shot this fucking movie. So that that feeling would be translated into the work and the people who were there working on it and then therefore the people who watched the damn movie throughout the ages. And the fucking cat doesn't have to show up on your screen ever. But it worked it, was, it worked. But it worked and it was an an element that was important, you know, it was a part of the recipe and it, like back to black metal man like this is what the dudes Watane comes out and hangs the rotten halves of beef off those iron hooks when they play Watane shows because that's a real vibe, dude. That's a vibe that fucking latex and food coloring ain't
0: gonna give you. No. Hey, when I saw Mayhem, dude, there was actually like there was straight up pig heads and it was it it was a theatrical (laughs) show, dude. It was like and it was crazy because before they played, they were like There was an announcement, like, no flash photography, it'll ruin the show. And the thing is, it would have ruined the show because the way the lights worked, they didn't show any, there was no lights except candlelight the whole time they were playing until they played Freezing Moon, and at the end of Freezing Moon, these lights showed up, and what's his name, Attila Cesar or whatever, the singer, Yeah, man, it was like his face paint Like in Corpse Paint was so scary, and I was like, "Holy shit, this is like a fucking (laughs) horror movie, dude!" And I was like, "This is amazing," and it it was worth the live show just to see them. You know what I mean? Like just to see them play it. Like they even played a sample of Dead saying, "You know, when it's dark and when it's cold." Like it was like it was a show, man. It was a show, and that's what's fun is and interesting about it. It was like a it was like a thematic element there was just right feeling about it it was like whether it's real or not doesn't matter and you don't know but there are dead pig heads on a fucking stake right here
1: right well you smell it you smell it at a Watang show yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah yeah
0: there's no there's no debating about it
1: right yeah yeah when that's real that's effective you know the alice cooper or king diamond even i fucking yeah. love king diamond me too me too, too. yeah but you are never ever ever going to stand in the pit at a King Diamond show and feel real fear the way that you will if you go see Watain or Mayhem
0: right they they took it to a next level like a lot of those second wave bands they were it wasn't just about you know idolizing fucking kiss or doing it right. to as mm. a showmanship there was a whole element of the authenticity there was you know they were actually burning churches they were actually killing people and that scared people and making tabloid headlines you know
1: yeah yeah they're dedicated to being as scary as possible
0: (laughs) that's the thing when horror bleeds out into you know that's what makes black metal horror is it's it's bleeding out into reality there is a the definitive line is not real anymore it's it's
1: absent Right, and that's why it's the most effectively disturbing music that that I've ever heard. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah,
0: well, dude, we're at a we're at a an hour and forty minutes, but <laughs> uh, I can go back and shave some of that bullshit off. But uh, either way, um, I want you to I want, I want you to plug anything you want to plug right now. Lurking transmission, ritual light and sound, anything that you want to throw out to the listeners.
1: Cool, man. I'll uh, try and be brief. Um, so yeah, check out the Lurking Transmission. we Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, all of that shit. Um, and in the Lurking Transmission's feed, you'll find some of our special episodes. We do this Lurking Transmission presents thing. So we have uh, Mother Blood, which is our Friday the 13th story. And um, our new show is lurking transmission presents weird out here. So weird out here is an ongoing occult horror mystery series about a Southern private eye. Who's a occult practitioner. And that's, um, monthly. You can uh, find the first two episodes under the same streaming channel where lurking transmission is. If you want to get past episode two, you got to join our Patreon and give me one of your cold fuzzy digital dollars every month. Um, but uh so we've got lurking transmission which is creep show meets black metal in audio form we got weird out here which is an ongoing horror mystery series and then i got my talk show about kooky occult shit in horror movies which is ritual light and sound Um, the new weird out here will be out sunday for those of who for those who had the patreon uh, the next Ritual Light and Sound will be out next weekend, and it's about Hellraiser. That's going to be a fun awesome. time. Awesome,
0: yeah, hell yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, Lurking Transmission episode 10 will be coming soon enough. Um, got stuff coming, so uh, check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm much less active on Facebook and Instagram. Twitter's really the spot to catch everything Lurking Transmission-based. Um, and I want to plug Gravely Unusual while we're here because Gravely Unusual, I'm sure you probably know what it is if you're listening to this, but if, if you don't, Gravely Unusual is what the lurking transmission is in audio form in paper in your hands. Uh, gravely Unusual is creep show meets fucking black metal, death metal. It's like a heavy metal AD uh is that the name of the fucking
0: heavy metal in 2000
1: AD 2000 AD that is like my favorite magazines too (laughs) yeah it's like 100% 2000 AD meets black metal death metal um creep show EC comics vibe it is fucking gravely unusual is the shit it is the coolest magazine I've ever read
0: Thank you, dude. I really fucking appreciate that. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> You're so welcome. I'm like, so happy to have become acquainted with you and found Gravely Unusual. I love it.
0: Well, I'm glad the podcast went off with a fucking great, great chemistry, man. I would definitely love to have you on the show again. Um, guys, yeah, be fun. this is Gravely Unusual Lives. This is Evan Dean Shelton from The Lurking Transmission and Ritual Light and Sound. Guys, go check out him on Twitter and f- listen to him on any platform that you can listen to a podcast on. It is the shit. I'm is my favorite one. Lurking Transmission is fucking awesome and Ritual Line Sound is. You guys are coming up there with the episode, so it's getting up there thanks, too. So thanks, man. guys, uh thank you for listening. um We are out and this is Gravel Unusual Lives. We will see you guys next time. Later, man. Cool.